Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Hey, the past couple weeks here at the Living Room, we've been in this series called Do It Scared. And it's a series that's been based on the topic of courage, and specifically what it looks like to live a courageous life. And we've said throughout this series that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the ability to move forward in the face of it. See, courageous people are not people who have learned how to completely eliminate fear in their lives. They're people who are very aware of their fears, but they've just learned how to move forward in the face of it. Another way to say it is that courageous people have just learned how to do it scared. And so if you missed either of the first two parts of this series, uh, I would encourage you to go back and catch up on our podcast. You may not even know this, but we have a podcast. If you just download the podcast app and search The Living Room at Buckhead Church, uh, you can find it. You can catch up on any of our previous messages. But tonight, we're in part three, the final part of this series, Do It Scared. And I'm really, really excited about tonight because tonight we're talking about what I believe is the most courageous step you could ever possibly take in your life. And to kick us off tonight, I thought I'd ask a question. It's, it's maybe kind of like a random question or it might feel random to you, but it's not random to me because I'm the one asking it. And uh, I'm just curious to know, are there any people in the room who would consider yourself to be outdoorsy? Anybody? Like you love the wilderness, okay? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're like outdoorsy. What does that even mean? You love, like, you love camping, okay? Like, you know, the, the more, yeah, yeah. The more remote an environment gets, like the more life you feel inside of you, you know? Like that's just, it's just something fuels you. You're like, yeah, like nature, like no people, you know? Like fire and like having to like, you know, kill my own dinner. Like you're, you're that type of, maybe, maybe that's a little bit too far, but, um, but you love the outdoors. That's awesome. Like if that's you, there's a lot of you that raised your hand. I think that's great. I love I love that. I love that that's an environment where you thrive. For me, um, it's not. It's not an environment where I thrive at all. Um, I am not an outdoorsy person. I don't know if that catches you by surprise, but um, I'm just not. But a few years ago, I got the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. And this wasn't just like your normal trip to the Grand Canyon where you go and like see some amazing views. No, this was like a next level trip to the Grand Canyon, okay? And I'll explain. Um, so my mother-in-law had this trip on her like bucket list of, of trips, of vacations for a long, long time. And so she booked this trip like over a year in advance because there's only a select number of spots. And she's like, hey, like anyone in the family can come if you want, you don't have to. And I'm like, Ann, like we've gotta go, you know, this is a once in a lifetime trip. So we went. And so we get there and like literally this trip, you were rafting through the Grand Canyon, through the Colorado River for seven nights. And every single night, like you're just pulling your raft over and you know, on the side of a beach and like you're in the Grand Canyon. Like you could take binoculars and look up and see the people looking down at you. Like this was a crazy trip. And so we're rafting through the canyon and it's amazing. There's all these amazing views. We're doing wild things. It's really stretching me. I'm like, bugs, you know, just oh, like this is, but it's, but it's cool, right? I'm like bathing in the Colorado River, which is like 30 degrees. But again, it's awesome. It really was an amazing trip. I'm making it sound like it was terrible, but it was great. But every single day at some point, they'd be like, hey, like this is the spot where we're gonna like go hiking and you don't have to go hiking, it's optional. And some of the hikes were like, okay. Other, other hikes were more challenging and really, really cool. So all throughout the week, I'd kind of been like, hey, you know what? Like my wife, like Ann, she doesn't really wanna go hiking and she's decided to stay back most days. And her, her grandma doesn't really wanna go hiking. And so like 
I'd love to go, but I'll just stay back too, just to like be the man in case like any bears come or something, you know, and I'll like, I'll defend everybody. Um, I'm kidding. I just didn't really want to go hiking. I'm not into hiking. For me, like the, the biggest hike I'm probably going to take for the rest of my life is like hiking down my driveway to get my mail. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, but it was like the last day of the trip. And they're like, hey, this hike is going to be somewhat intense and challenging. And a lot of you probably should consider whether or not this is the best decision for you to go on this, but I'm just letting you know, the guide was like, I'm just letting you know uh, where we're going on this hike is gonna be amazing. Like, in fact, it's gonna be like the type of view that you see on the cover of National Geographic. And so I was like, okay, like I'm in, I'm gonna do this. Like I'm going and grandma, I'm sorry, I'm going. And so like we went in the first like 20 or 25 minutes of the hike, I'm like, this is great. Like I'm feeling good. You know, I'm walking. I'm like, this is not challenging. Like, you know, I'm what it's, I'm just walking. Like this is not hard. And then I realized that as we got like higher and higher on this cliff or mountain or whatever it was, um, that the, the path was getting more and more narrow up to the point where eventually we were getting really, really high. And, um, and when I say really high, I mean like elevation wise. And <laughs> just had to clarify. So we're getting really high and the path is really narrow. And I'm like, yo, like here's the deal. Like instructor, like if I slip and fall, like, am I going to die? And he was like, Probably. And I'm like, okay, this, why aren't there guardrails? Like, this is not safe. Like, I, I, was, I was honestly, I was angry. But I'm like, okay, look, here's the problem. Like, I don't know that I can go on. Like, is there an alternate route that's not so dangerous? You know, like, I want to live. Like, I want to, yeah, this is not for me, you know? And he's like, there's really not an alternate route. Like, this is the route. We're going to keep going. I'm so sorry. Like, if you don't feel confident or if you're not courageous enough, like, if you're not a real man, I'm kidding. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, like, you know what? He didn't say all that, but uh, that's how I felt. And so I just decided not, not to go any further. Like I decided it wasn't for me. Um, and what I realized was that when I started the hike, I had all this faith, all this confidence, like this was gonna be great. But at some point, fear crept in and the fear started to override my faith. And I felt like there is no way that I can move forward anymore. Like there's no way that I can take another step. And here's the reason I share that tonight as we get started. It's because I feel like every single person in the room can relate with that to some extent. Like all of you have probably experienced moments in life. Maybe you're walking through a moment in life right now where you have had faith in something, but then at some point something happened. Maybe you don't even know what it was. You don't even know when it happened, but something happened and fear has crept in. And now you do not know if you can move forward anymore. Maybe for you, it's with a relationship. And you've been in a relationship, and when you started out in this relationship with this person, you felt like things were going really well. Like, this could be awesome. Like, this, is, this feels different. Everything was great. But then at some point, maybe something was said. Maybe they, they did something. I don't know. And at some point, you were like, oh, no. And fear crept in, and you thought to yourself, I don't know if we can move forward. I don't know if I can get past this. I don't know if I can take another step. Maybe it was with a friend. Same situation, the friendship started out great. You're like, man, this could be a lifelong friend, but then you're like, something happened and you just didn't know if you could move forward. Maybe it was an opportunity for you. And when the opportunity first came, you were so excited about it. You're like, man, this seems great. This is promising. This is what I've been chasing after for a while now. But then as you started thinking about it, something happened. At some point, fear crept in and you thought, I don't know if I can move forward. Maybe it's your future. You have all these dreams and goals and hopes for your future. But then at some point, fear starts to come into the picture and your fear starts to overcome your faith and you don't know if you can move forward anymore. Maybe, just maybe for you, this is the description of your faith in Jesus right now. 
Like your faith in God, like at some point you felt really hopeful about this. Maybe at some point you felt like, you know what? Like, I think I'm gonna step into this whole thing. Like, I think I'm gonna, you know, put my faith and trust in God. I think I'm gonna start to follow Jesus. Like, yeah, like this is awesome. But then at some point something happened and you're like, I I don't know anymore. Like, I don't know if I can move forward. And I would imagine that if you've ever heard anything about Jesus, which I'm sure there's people in the room from all across the spectrum, like some of you have been growing up in the church, maybe others of you, this is all brand new to you. That's great, um, no matter where you're at. But I would imagine that if you've heard anything at all in your life about Jesus, like you've probably heard about all the amazing miracles that he did, right? Like all these amazing things, like maybe some miracles, like he turned water into wine, you know, like he healed people, he gave the blind sight, he fed over 5,000 people with just five small fish and two small loaves of bread. Like he walked on water, He even predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. And maybe you hear these things and you think that's great. Like, that's awesome, man. Like the miracles that Jesus has done and performed. That's so cool. I get why we talk about them. But then you stop and you start to wonder, would he ever do a miracle like that for me? Like, I wonder if Jesus would ever actually do a miracle like that in my own life. And maybe you're like, I've asked him to do some miracles, but He hasn't always done them. And so maybe something about the miracle starts to hold you back. In fact, maybe you've even asked this question right here. What do the miracles Jesus performed actually mean for me? Like maybe the thought of God's unconditional radical love for you sounds great. Maybe the thought of of Jesus having an amazing plan and purpose for your life, that sounds great. That sounds something you can courageously step into and get on board with. But when you stop and start to think about miracles, you start to think, man, something about the miracles is holding me back. Something about the miracles is actually bringing in fear into my life. And the fear is starting to overcome my faith. And I don't know that I can get past it. I don't know that I can move forward. But what if I told you that one of Jesus's greatest, most unexpected miracles is actually for you? What if I told you that one of Jesus's greatest, most unexpected miracles is not a miracle that just happened a long, long time, over 2,000 years ago. It's not just an isolated event that happened to one person, but it's a miracle that still happens today. And in fact, it's a miracle that can happen for you. In fact, I'm just gonna put all my cards right out on the table tonight. My hope is that in just a moment, you're gonna see this miracle, you're gonna see this story, and you're gonna see that this miracle is for you. And rather than your faith starting to be overcome by fear, your fear is gonna start to move out of the way and your faith is gonna begin to elevate over your fear. And my hope is that by the end of the night, many of you would be in a spot where you can courageously take a next step towards God. That wherever you're at currently right now, that you'd have the faith, you'd have the courage to courageously take your next step. So in order to set um, this story up, I need to give you a little bit of context of where we're gonna be at. Um, Jesus has a really close friend named Lazarus. Lazarus is is not just a close friend, it's almost like a brother to him. And Lazarus has two sisters named Mary and Martha. And Lazarus has become very sick. Sick so much so to the point where he's like on the verge of death. And so Mary and Martha thought that the situation was pretty urgent. It had gotten really, really bad. And so Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, are like, hey, we need to go find Jesus and we need to bring to him this message and let him know that Lazarus, our brother, his close friend, is sick. And so this is where it picks up in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse three. Mary and Martha said this to Jesus. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
Notice they didn't even say his name. They didn't even say the name Lazarus. They just said, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't go on. They didn't give Jesus details. Like this is the type of sickness he has. This is what the doctor reports are saying. No, no, they just said, Jesus, the one you love is sick. And they just assumed that that would be enough. Jesus would know what to do. Like he would immediately drop everything and tend to this situation. But look at the way Jesus responds in the very next verse, verse four. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, to which I'm sure Mary and Martha were like, oh, that's good news. Like, oh, it's, he's not gonna die. And then Jesus goes on, it says, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. To which I'm sure that was a little bit confusing to Mary and Martha. Like, hold up, Jesus, what, what are you saying here? Are you saying that like, there's a purpose in this? Are you saying that like, you had a, a plan in all of this? Or what exactly are you trying to get across? I think what Jesus was trying to say, and they couldn't realize it in the moment, was that this sickness was going to be left unattended on purpose for a purpose. This was gonna be left unattended on purpose for a purpose, and it's because he had a message for these people, and he has a message for you and I today. And it goes on, the next verse says this, it says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So the writer reminds us that Jesus loves these people. Like these aren't just friends. These aren't just people he, he, he's met once or twice. No, these are people that Jesus absolutely loves. This is like family to him. But then it goes on to say that Jesus decides to just stay where he is for the next two days. For the next 48 hours, like he's just like, I'm chill, like I'm good, I'm in no rush. Now this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know about for you, but if you really love someone and like you hear that they're really sick and you can do something about it, like, hello, you're Jesus, I'm probably moving. Like, like I'm going, I'm definitely not just gonna hang out for the next 48 hours. But that's what Jesus does. And I'm sure Mary and Martha are thinking, what, what are you doing? Like you say you love us, but it sure doesn't feel like it. And I wonder if any of you can relate. Like maybe you've heard that Jesus loves you that he has a great plan and purpose for your life, but then you start to think, well, it doesn't really feel like it. Because when you think about your circumstances in life that you're currently walking through, you think, why would God allow that? When you think about your experiences in the past and the things you've walked through, you think that, God, where were you? When you think about what you've done in your life, the things you've said, the things you've thought, you think, well, even if that were true, like even if Jesus really did love me that much, like. There's no way it's still true. Like I would have to do a lot of cleaning up. There's no way that God could still love me in spite of all the things that I've done. There's just no way. And maybe that's how you feel. So Jesus decides that he's gonna stay here for the next two days. But then after the two days rolled by, he's like, hey, okay, it's time. Like we gotta go. We're gonna go to Judea and we're gonna go see Lazarus. And so Jesus says this to his disciples. He's like, hey, um, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. He's like, come on guys, we're gonna go there and wake him up, which I'm sure his disciples were like, Jesus, oh, we didn't realize that Lazarus was just sleeping. Like he's just sleeping. You're, just, you're gonna go all this way to wake him up. Like Jesus, like, come on, like we don't need to do that. And I'm sure his disciples were even like, hey, look, Jesus, like remember last time we went that way? Like last time we passed through that part of town, it wasn't really the best situation for us. Like the people there didn't really care for you. In fact, they wanted to kill you. Like they were throwing stones at you. And here's the thing, Jesus, like you're Jesus. So like when someone throws a stone at you, the stone can be like a centimeter from your face and you can just be like, you know, like, oh, you know, like Angelica was just like, oh, oh. like you can just do that, you know? Y'all saw that. And, um, but Jesus, like, we can't do that. 
Like when people throw stones at us, like it just hits us and it really hurts, Jesus. Like, you know, thank you. You know, you should say thank you to us, Jesus. Like we're taking shots for you. But this, like, like, do we really have to go that way, Jesus? Like, come on, he's just sleeping. And look at the way they respond. They even say this. They're like, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Like Jesus, if he's sleeping, come on, that's kind of rude. Like, let's, we, he's gonna get better. He's gonna be just fine. But Jesus is like, hey, you guys aren't, you're not, you're not getting it. So verse 14, Jesus says this in response. It says, so then he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus just cuts to the chase. He's like, okay, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't want to say it. That's why I was, I was trying to like use like, you know, nice terms, but he's dead. Lazarus is dead. And I'm actually glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. And I think he intentionally used that language so that you may believe, so that you may believe, so that you may believe. He had a purpose in this situation. And so Jesus decides to go to Judea. After a while, they, they go. And when Jesus gets there, Martha greets him, one of the sisters of Lazarus. And Martha comes to him and says, Jesus, where have you been? Like Lazarus is dead. You know this. In fact, he's been dead for four days. Like Jesus, you're late to the funeral. Like you could have done something, but you didn't come when we needed you the most. Where have you been? And look at what Jesus says to Martha. He says this, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? To which I'm sure Martha was like, Jesus, why do you always do this? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I do believe this, but Jesus, right now, all I'm concerned about is that my brother Lazarus is dead and you were late. You could have done something. So this is partially your fault. You didn't show up when I needed you. So I don't really know, Jesus. This is a really tough time that I'm going through. I don't know. I don't want to think about like my theology right now, Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know. And what we see here is a lady who's going through a really, really tough circumstance in life, a tough moment. And she's just trying to hang on to whatever faith remains. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Like you're going through something right now in life and you're just trying to hang on to whatever faith remains. Mary then goes and gets her sister, or Martha goes and gets her sister Mary and she's like, Mary, Jesus is here. He wants to speak to you. He wants to see you. And so Mary comes. And when Mary gets to Jesus, she opens up. She doesn't cut back. Look what Mary says. A few verses later, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, and I imagine she said this with a lot of emotion. I imagine she said this in not a super calm tone. She said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. Mary is being 100% honest with Jesus. What would it look like for you tonight to be 100% honest with God. Like not 95% honest like we are a lot of times. Like what would it look like for you to pray an unfiltered prayer tonight to God? To give God the real you. To say, God, this is how I'm feeling. Maybe for you it would look like this. Lord, if only you had been here, my parents' marriage would not have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my hope would not have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my insecurities or my, my confidence rather would not have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my faith would not have died. Lord, if only you had been here, you fill in the blank. 
What would it look like for you to be completely honest with God tonight? He can take it. He can receive it. Look at the way that Jesus responds to Mary. It's, it's absolutely amazing. This is how he responds. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping and when he saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. So Jesus sees Mary. He hears what she has to say. And then it says he was deeply troubled. He was deeply moved. And he says, hey, where's Lazarus at? I need to go see this, this tomb. And so they bring him. They said, Lord, come and see. And what happens next, it's just two words, but it's quite possibly maybe the two most powerful words in all of the Bible and all the scriptures. And it says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So I think for a lot of us, that's not the response we would expect. I think for a lot of us, we would think, no, 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 Jesus is gonna go and I don't know, like do a miracle. He's not gonna be moved because he's God. And like, you know, like he can figure it out. He knows what's gonna happen. Like he doesn't feel what we feel. But in this moment, Jesus shows that he's fully God, but fully human, really hard to understand. But in this moment, Jesus says, Mary, I feel what you feel. Jesus enters into the moment. And I just believe that Jesus wants to do the very same thing in your life tonight. That Jesus knows whether you say it or not, he knows exactly what you're going through. But tonight Jesus says, hey, I wanna enter in to the moment. I wanna feel what you're feeling. I wanna walk with you. It goes on, it says that Jesus said, hey, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor for he's been there four days. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to roll away the stone, roll away the stone that Lazarus is behind. And Martha's like, that's not a good idea. It's gonna be a bad odor. Like, I don't know what, what I don't wanna experience that. Jesus, I don't want you to experience that. It's not a good idea. And Jesus is like, no, no, no I want you to do it. I want you to roll away the stone. Maybe tonight Jesus is trying to get you to roll away the stone that's been in front of your heart for a while. But maybe you just like Martha are like, hey, Jesus, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea because that stone has been in front of my heart for a long, long time. Like there's deep wounds and hurt that's been in there for a long, long time. And if I actually let you in, if I actually roll away that stone, even just a little bit, I'm not really sure what's going to come out. And quite honestly, you're terrified. You don't know if you have the faith to take that step. But Jesus, after some convincing, eventually they roll away the stone and Check this out. It says, then Jesus called in a loud voice. So can you just picture this for a second with me? Like this stone is rolled away. I'm sure it was a huge stone. I'm sure it took a few people to roll this massive stone away. And then Jesus calls in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus looks straight at the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come out, step out, step out. And out comes this dead man who is no longer dead, but he's now walking, he's alive, he's breathing. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to work the miracle I'm gonna bring you Lazarus from death to life. But then from there, it's gonna be up to you to step into your freedom. Like it's gonna be up to you now to take off the grave clothes that could hold you back. For some of you, 
Maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've stepped out at some point, but maybe you're still walking around with the grave clothes on. And Jesus is saying, come on, take off the grave clothes, step in to your freedom. I love this story because it shows us that courageous people take bold steps. Courageous people take bold steps, you guys. And tonight for someone in the room, I'm just convinced that at some point my voice has grown silent and the voice of God has grown loud in your heart. And you clearly hear him, like maybe not in an audible voice, but clearly as clear as ever before, you feel like Jesus is saying, hey, step out, step out. Put your faith and trust in me. I'm strong enough to carry whatever it is you're holding on to. So in a moment, I'm gonna invite the band out and they're gonna sing this song over you guys tonight. And here's what I want you to do when they come out, man, you can start coming out on the stage right now. I want you guys to stay seated during this song. And over these next four and a half minutes, I just want you to try to eliminate any distractions. And I just want you to soak in these lyrics and really, really, really try to listen closely to the voice of God. Try to listen. I think God in this moment wants to encourage you. I think in this moment, he wants to remind you of some things. I think in this moment for some of you, he wants to say, hey, step out, come out of hiding. So the band's gonna lead us in this song and then we'll move forward from here.